Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast, the recently resurrected Two Peas, and uh, we're in our first month of our return here, and I got another special guest to come on with me this week. Me and this guy have a bit of a history together in the world of podcasting, and he is a great dude, and I'm so thrilled to have him back. Ryan from Awards Watch and In Session Film, and just an all-around great guy. What's up, man? Welcome back to the Peas. Thank you for having me back, man. No, this is great. And yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to him forever. I know. We were and talking pre-show. It's been since when Justin Winters did his thing, like, what was that, like a year ago, I guess? It's like, yeah, at least a year ago. For sure. It's yeah. been over a year. And uh, it's good to hear your voice. I missed you. Yeah, yeah you too, and I miss, man. And I missed the show. I missed oh, the show. Oh, so, thanks, man. So when, when you told me and everybody out there on social media that you were going to jump back in, I was like, well, I got to get in it. I got to yeah, get on. I got to yeah, get in back in the peas, baby. You hit me up and I saw that. Ryan McQuaid. I'm like, here we go. I'm good. I'm officially back now. I can have Ryan McQuaid. So. <laughs> That's true. No, nah, nah, man, but I really appreciate you doing it. Uh, now, listen, you know, last time you came on, what did we do? We did Revenge movies, I think. Yeah, Revenge. Is, is that right? Yeah, we did that. Uh, that was a couple years ago, probably, at this point. And um, I'm a big fan of In Session. I know you have Awards Watch going on over there. Why don't you just tell people up at the top here, if they're not familiar with you, what you do, what you're all about, man? Yeah, well, I am the executive editor over at AwardsWatch.com, basically like second in command over there to Eric Anderson. Mm-hmm. who's just a, an overall just amazing human being and great guy and you know i do a lot of reviews and interviews and a lot of stuff during film festivals uh, so I, I i will be shortly going to a ton of fall festivals because nice. those are right around the corner nice. uh, did south by and sundance earlier this year and we started a podcast over there we started the awards watch podcast we talk about uh, maybe some latest film releases stuff going on in the awards game uh, we do a lot of listener questions, and at the end of the episode, we'll play a, a game, and it's comprised of uh, a bunch of great people uh, that are contributors over at Awards Watch, and uh, that's weekly, and those episodes air on Monday, and then every week, I'm over at In Session Film, continuing to do uh, extra film with uh, our friend, our mutual yeah, friend, my guy. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jay Ledbetter, yeah. and uh, right now, currently in the time, we're, we are in the middle of our James Cameron movie series and if anybody knows about me and james cameron knows that i am not the biggest fan of that man so it's it's sort of like a this this go around this movie series is about me trying to reckon if i'm just like a hater or Mm -hmm. if i need to reappreciate his films and i I will say we've done two episodes so far and i like the terminator and i like aliens a lot more than i remember so it's been a positive little uh experiment 
but right. uh, but there's more films still to go, and I know for sure Avatar still sucks, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. But no, no rewatch needed. To <laughs> no, no, no. That. I have rewatched it, but but that that I'll save uh, those for the show. But well, uh, yeah, well, I will just there. I will just say to hear your your take on JC there. I'm interested to get into our conversation tonight, and I think maybe you might know why because maybe maybe that man's name will come up again okay. later. Yeah. Oh, hold maybe on, I, don't freak out. I, yeah, I mean, don't freak yeah. out. Whoa. It's but it's possible. Well, it's possible. Yeah, just um, send shivers down my spine, man. Why don't you tell everyone? I think you pitched this idea, if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. What what top five are we doing tonight, Ryan? We are doing. <laughs> it's kind of appropriate, right, when having me on a show. Yeah, I guess maybe um, <laughs> we're doing the top five three hour long movies. Yes, a minimum of three hours. Minimum of three hours, because you know the world doesn't bitch enough about run times yeah. in modern cinema. So I was I'm just like, guilty you know. as charged, man. I wanted to ask you a little bit about this topic. So you're obviously doing your thing at Awards Watch. You're mm-hmm. going to film festivals. You're a cinephile, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. I'm a movie lover too, but as I've gotten older, and I don't I don't know how far we are apart in age, I'm going to be 47 this year. What about okay. you? Well, I, I just turned 30 this year. So. All right. So my thing is I'm, I'm becoming that old guy shaking his fist at the cloud when I when I see the runtime. <laughs> You know, just for example, like Stranger Things just came out on Netflix, and I I freaking love that show. The last episode is like two and a half hours. I'm like, guys, I I don't have to. Like, (laughs) we have to do this. Can we not like kind of you know narrow this down just a smidge? But I did love it. I watched it, and a lot of these movies that we'll talk about tonight, I love too. They're over three hours. But for you, man, does that? In other words, like when you see the runtime of a film and you've never seen it before, maybe it's a filmmaker you love or maybe it's a new filmmaker that you're not familiar with, but you see that runtime, does that do anything for you before you see one frame of the movie? Does it affect you in any way? Not really. I'll use a, a an example and it's uh, not on my list, but I mean, last year we had Drive My Car. Yeah. And I just remember hearing so many people buzz about it and were moved by it. Um, at the film festivals that are, I was at, that I immediately emailed the publicist being like, I missed this at the fest. Can I get a screener? And they sent it to me. Nice. And I just, it's all about, you know, you know, this is, as well as anybody out there. It's all about how you block and schedule your time. Yeah. And yeah. really just if you're able to find the, because per- I had that screener in my inbox for like two weeks right. <laughs> after I got it. And I finally found the time and I watched it. It was one of my favorite films of the year last year. I don't have a problem with, with run times, especially if I'm in comfortable hands. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If I'm in the hands of somebody that I've seen all their work and I absolutely love them yeah, and it's good, right. then I have no problem whatsoever. Maybe a subject matter that, you know, kind of grabs me also I- helps. I, you know, I, I get I've gotten a bad rap lately amongst my group of friends. Yeah, you know, we have like a group chat for my patrons and stuff like that, and they give me a hard time because I just they'll immediately be like, "Oh, X, Y, and Z is coming out. It's it's this many <laughs> hours. Gerald's gonna hate it." <laughs> you know, and like, well, I, will, I, I don't I, think I don't think it's fair. I, I mean, I don't hate a movie just because of its mm-hmm. runtime, but. I guess I'm getting to the point in my life where if this was 10 years ago, I wasn't like this, but mm. where I'm sitting there watching a movie and I'm thinking to myself, did we need that the last five minutes? Like, could that have been cut? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I'm actually doing that as I'm watching it. If I know it's a long movie, 
I just saw Elvis, which I know you hated, and I actually love that movie. So that's one. It's not three hours, so it wouldn't come. Talk about right. talk about a movie still that could have been cut a little bit. I <laughs> but mean, just be fair. Let's but I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes tonight, man. So we're doing our top five movies that are at least three hours long. Ironically, one of my patrons pitched to me tonight because he knew we were doing this that one of the upcoming episodes is going to be our top five movies that are ninety minutes or less. Yeah, I think I think I might have a blast with that episode too. But mm-hmm. to get things started, Mr. Ryan McQuaid's here, and I'm going to let you kick things off, brother. I'm excited to see what direction you go in. I wonder. If, do you think we'll have any crossover before we get started? Oh yeah, I think we'll have a couple crossovers. All right. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, get yeah. get things started, man. What's your number five? My number five is from a filmmaker that I think will be no stranger to your audience and to you, Gerald. And that is from Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And that is Magnolia. Great movie. Um, I just love this movie. And, you know, a couple of years ago we were doing over on extra film, we were doing our Robert Altman movie series mm-hmm. and Robert Altman has a movie called shortcuts, which is also three hours long. And this is Paul Thomas Anderson's response or homage to that kind of film. And I think it's better mm-hmm. in almost every okay. way. Like I just don't like short, I don't get shortcuts. Like it has no through line, no meaning for me, but this is a three hour and eight minute bonanza epic set in the San Fernando Valley has some of the best performances in all of PTA's filmography. Uh, you know, you're talking about Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Robarts, you know, Julianne Moore, uh, the, the, I mean, continue the cast. It's insane. You know, Philip right. Baker Hall, John C. Riley, William H. Macy, you know, all these people in this mm-hmm. film, right? And it's all just about these interlockings of these characters between like love and forgiveness. And there's biblical context to it. The freaking frogs still don't make any damn sense, but it's really <laughs> cool. And right. I just like. And I don't know about you, Gerald, but for me, when directors are given complete autonomy to create whatever they want, for me, no matter if it's messy or convoluted or not, it just really inspires me because I'm like, that director got to do the full vision. It may not make sense. It may be over the top and crazy, but they swung and I love big swings. And I think this is the biggest swing in his filmography. And and it's of that era of the punch drunk love, Mm -hmm. uh, heart eight boogie nights era. Magnolia to me is my favorite of that. That's a great, that's a great film. Uh, What would you say? Tom Cruise's best performance you think? Oh, uh, I mean, he's really on the mind right now. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know with, uh, with Top Gun Maverick out this year. Yeah, I'd say so. I say so. I mean, like he should have won the Oscar for that one. I was um, I'm very biased, but I love him in a few good men. I think for some reason, I just can't let go of that performance as my favorite. That is performance. Such a rewatchable movie. It really is. One of those where like it doesn't matter where you are at in that film. And it's usually on like AMC or TNT or some bullshit like that. Right. You will watch that. So I can't I can't say no to that one. Or I just like I'm sorry, but like him as Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible. That's yeah, like him. Sure. Like you sure. know what I mean? Like he's killing himself every single year for us and, and we gotta bow down to a legend like that. Yeah, I love it, man. So Magnolia getting us started. Uh, I don't know if you care. My favorite PTA film is Boogie Nights. Love it. That's fine. No, I like Boogie Nights. Don't yeah. get me wrong. That's another yeah. long movie too. Like it, you know, it is. PTA makes a long movie. He really does. Uh, so look, I, I might. Uh, this this isn't a cheat, okay? Don't don't say this is a cheat out of the gate at my number five because mm-hmm. I saw this in the cinema and it's what I'm going to call Grindhouse. Quentin Tarantino, uh, Robert okay. Rodriguez. Uh, you know what? 2007. That, that's fair. 
Because you right. stayed the whole time. You, you did. didn't leave. I did. Um, yeah. Now, it's, it was a bit of a double feature. It had these like fake trailers in between the movies. Um, it was an homage to Grindhouse Cinema. Uh, particularly of the 60s and 70s. And you have names like Rodriguez and Tarantino. You got horror in the mix. As you know, I'm a horror junkie. The uh, little fake trailers they had in this movie were some of the most memorable that I'll just like rewatch on YouTube just for no reason. Edgar Wright did one of them. Eli Roth does one. Rob Zombie had one in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Danny Trejo makes an appearance. We had just, you mentioned the powerhouse cast, but I'm a huge fan of Rosario Dawson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kurt Russell's in there, Josh Brolin, Rose McGowan at her sexiest, in my opinion, in this movie mm-hmm. with a freaking machine gun as a leg. Yeah. Unstoppable, dude. Just the imagery from this. And as a horror fan and, you know, these guys just paying homage to the stuff that they loved when they were kids uh, in the Grindhouse era just really spoke to me. So I saw this at a drive-in and then I went back mm-hmm. and saw it in an indoor theater before it left cinemas and just fond memories of Grindhouse from 2007. So that's my number five. I was too young ah. to see this in the theater, just yet, which is weird because like I wasn't able to see this, and my parents were like, "Oh, you're too young to that." But I saw Kill Bill in the theaters, which was weird. Anyway, that's that's just a weird childhood anecdote. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's great, and it count. I think it counts. Sure, uh, I hope so. You know, and I think like Tarantino carries that on with the uh, with like the Roadshow version of The Hateful Eight a couple of years later. So right, I um, didn't put um, you know you mentioned Kill Bill like I didn't include the whole bloody affair. Yeah, because most people wasn't re- was like, it released cinematically? It wasn't right. It wasn't. It's like yeah. there's very rare cuts you can find on it, and and I've seen yeah. it and it's fantastic. But like not many people have actually. It wasn't actually released in the theaters like that. So. All right, well, that's my number five, Grindhouse. I, I'm curious, by the way, Ryan, because we, you know, we have a history together on the movie drafts with Justin and the team over there, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very friendly, but it's also like we'll give each other shit at the drop of a dime. So I'm wondering if some of my picks might get a rise out of you, but I guess you're okay with Grindhouse to get things started. So yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get <laughs> mad at you for that. I mean, they're they're fun films, and and l- listen, they are about those are about experiences. In yeah. a theater. And if you're going to spend three hours in a theater or three hours at home and watch something, it's got to be memorable to you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another criteria, right? You got to be like, man, I am willing to invest yeah. a large portion of my day to do yeah. this. So yeah, and that, absolutely. you can't blame that. You can't blame uh, that. Absolutely. Well, thanks, man. So that's my five. And that swings us over to you for your number four. My number four is a little bit of Kubrick. Some Barry Lyndon. Mm, a freaking classic, man. A freaking classic. You're talking about a three-hour and five-minute film. All right. Yeah. It is the epic of all epic from Stephen, or, or from Stephen, from Stanley <laughs> Kubrick. Jesus, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long day. All right. Yeah, no. um, and it stars uh, Ryan O'Neill. He plays like this Irish rogue who wins the the heart of a of a widow and basically becomes like an aristocrat in the 18th century England and. You know, I know a lot of people get on Ryan O'Neill's accent in the film. I get that. I get that. But you can't tell me this isn't like some of the best cinematography of your oh, life. To die for. I, I mean, mean, I mean, they use it. In, my daughter's in film school. They use it. In, they were using it in her school in 2022 to teach lighting and this, uh, yeah. different things you can do and oh, tricks you can do with the camera. It's beautiful. Yeah. Breathtaking. It is an interesting film on class and how you can position yourself as the 
you know, the smuggest, the, the hustler getting into this, into this high class society. I think Kubrick, one of the goats, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he just is once again, given so much rope and he just, and he just climbs that mountain with that rope. You know yeah, what I mean? Agree. And he's killing it all the way through. And yeah, there's, there's a scene involving like a, like a card game set over mm-hmm. candlelight mm-hmm. it yeah. is by far one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see in your life yeah you can get it on the criterion collection blu-ray highly recommend it for anyone that has uh, seen kubrick's filmography it's like i think it's like my second favorite kubrick of all time too wow and uh, yeah, if no, you can get over awesome. ryan o'neill you'll yeah. have a fantastic time and I actually i really appreciate his performance and, and barry linden's like spot in in movie history is i mean you already mentioned the cinematography i mean the natural light that you know kubrick used throughout that film it was just mm. so so courageous especially at the time yeah uh and you see like you know yorgos lanthimos has done it recently and yeah you can see a lot of the, you know, kind of it's pouring over into other works of art that we get on so many decades later. Um, it just stands the test of time in that respect. It's just like a, it's just a pivotal, a pivotal film, especially if you're looking at like the craft of cinema. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. like that's that's the thing with some of these two is that we will talk about some older films tonight or films that aren't like you know within the last ten years that only Twitter wants to talk about. Um, and so it's yeah. it's about appreciation and influence. From some mm-hmm. of these films too. That's what yep. makes them so powerful. I agree, man. So Barry Lyndon for you is your number four. Great pick, man. I actually, I did see that when I was googling, but I, for some reason I didn't. It didn't crack my list. But that's a, that's an awesome movie. I, I'm really glad that I got a mention. Mm-hmm. So my number four is one of my favorite films of all time. This movie is actually in my top 20 or 25 movies of all time across any genre. Uh, It's a bit of a contentious film because of uh, kind of the way the story was told and the angle that the filmmaker went in. I... Let me tell you what it is, and then I'll kind of tell you why I have such a strong connection to it. But it's from 1991. It's Oliver Stone's JFK. Ah. All right. That's my number four, starring Kevin Costner, of course. Now, in, in 91, I was in 10th grade, and I was studying the Kennedy assassination. I was studying JFK mm-hmm. when this movie came out. Um, and to be able to have that in like popular culture at the time that I'm also learning about it in school and I'm enamored with us history anyway, mm-hmm. it just, it would just connect it with me immediately. I just wanted to see it. And I went to see the theater like two or three times. And I can remember my dad going, dude, what are you like? Some kind of weirdo. Like, where are you going to see like this <laughs> three hour movie? Like, you know, he gets shot, right? Like, you know, he dies. I'm like, yeah, you know, I just whoa, inter- whoa, inter- Gerald, interested. spoiler alert. Oh, uh, no, sorry, listener. sorry, sorry. God. Damn. So I like Oliver Stone's kind of like manic style and this like, you know, uh, conspiracy kind of like entanglement and you get involved in and these different like almost like, you know, the Zapruder film, of course. But I mean, just generally like he'll kind of have these shots where it's like there was a home video camera in the room filming these people and then it'll cut back to like a regular movie camera and like he has all these different things that he did that were really interesting to me and I became a big fan of his as a result I love the doors that he did as well that movie about Jim Morrison Mm. Um, I'm just a big fan of Oliver Stone in general he's fallen off a little bit lately uh, but in the 90s uh, I was a big, big fan. A lot of stuff that he did, and JFK is my favorite movie of his, and it's easily one of my favorite three-hour movies. What do you think of this one? Oliver Stone is a guy that I have to do a movie series with Jay on at one point because yeah. I do agree with you. He is such a fascinating guy within the late '80s, early '90s within cinema. Yes, I agree. He has gone completely off the deep end. <laughs> 
<laughs> recently yeah, right, with right, like right. you know and and you know he's he's leaned to be more political uh not that he hasn't always been political but he's you know, more hacky and 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 a bit on the nose like he is what you know adam mckay will be in about already i don't know maybe five years or now yeah you see the parallels people. yeah, yeah you see the cr- parallels it's crazy but i mean he's making you know like you know, born on the 4th of July and wall street and platoon all before this and the doors mm-hmm. in the same year. Yep. And yeah, I think JFK is such a goddamn fascinating movie. It's because of the, he's given carte blanche to create a story about one of the most important moments in, in our history. And mm-hmm. dude, you, you, it is one of those films like, yes, Costner's the lead, mm-hmm. but goddamn that, that cast, there oh, is yeah. everybody in Hollywood. Or literally. Yeah. In this <laughs> movie, it is absolutely, absolutely insane how stacked like if you played the cinephile card game and you're stuck on an actor you know of of a certain age uh just say jfk is your guess you might you might end up you might end up getting them in there you know what i mean and continuing in the game because that's how deep it is but yeah i i I think it's a fascinating film one that i haven't seen in quite some time but i remember when i was a kid and i saw it just the the process and the procedure Mm -hmm. of everything i think it's i think it's a really uh, special interesting little film yeah i love it i I was kind of i'm just a u.s history buff anyway and i don't know oliver stone kind of just presented it in such a like energetic exciting way um jfk obviously but i mean i loved nixon with anthony Mm -hmm. hopkins i enjoyed that film uh, which also considered for this list but i don't want to put two oliver stone films in here um he even did a george w bush um, biopic, <laughs> which I mean was the worst of the three, but I mean I still kind of liked it, you know. It's the better uh, one of that or Vice. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, and that's not saying much. <laughs> you know? Oh man, so JFK is my number four from Oliver Stone. What do you got at number three over there, Ryan? Well, I mean Gerald, I'm of a certain age, and I think I've seen this film more than just about probably anything in any franchise and that is lord of the rings the return of the king the the epic conclusion to the original middle earth trilogy and some would say the only middle earth trilogy that matters uh because uh Mm -hmm. this is a i mean just an epic for our time they don't make movies like this anymore gerald they don't give people the carte blanche you know peter jackson was given all this money ahead of time it's a big gamble by new line cinemas and and everyone there to create these films. And the first one was such a success. And that movie is like two hours and 40 something minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course they had the other two, they were filming at the time, the two towers mm-hmm. then comes out. That's about two hours and 50 minutes, but this is a cool three hours and 21 minutes. And that is the regular cut. Not of course, including the extended cut, which you know, pushes you close to like four hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just great. It wraps up everything. It's an action film. It's a romance. It's, you know, it's got all those fantasy horror elements to it. It's one of the last times I think where we as a collective felt like, okay, that is the best picture of the year. There was no discussion about it. Yeah. This is the movie event of our lifetime. Too epic. Yeah. Uh, Let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is also my number three. So, Oh, there you go. So we can have a beautiful, just back and forth about it, but I, we're not arguing a lot tonight, Gerald. No, we're not. Now, Uh, you know, the, the, (laughs) not yet. Uh, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, the two towers is my favorite of the, of the three films. Mine too. But the return of the King, obviously, 
fits the brief of what we're talking about tonight. And it does, you know, the series culminates there in this yes. like epic conclusion to what we had been experiencing for, what was it, over the course of like five, six years, these three movies came out, I think? No, they came out back to back to back. But they, oh, yeah, they, they did. Started, it was like three. But they started filming in like 99. Yeah. And then they weren't, I mean, like the Oscars run and everything, it wasn't over till 2004. So it was like a five year, six yeah. year journey for this cast and crew and audiences too. Like yeah, the anticipation just, for these things were Yeah, it was just massive. in the it was just in the psyche. It was in the yeah. zeitgeist for so long. And we finally get our epic conclusion. I mean, Christopher Lee is one of the all times, man. Just all time great actor. Like I mean, you know why I love him from from yeah. the old monster stuff. But I mean just Ian McKellen, you know, I'm not even a huge Elijah Wood fan, but I always think of him in Lord of the Rings so fondly. Like he just yeah. fits so perfectly in that role. Oh, I um, mean, like Sean Astin. I think yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I think Vigo, my God. Uh, kills it, man. Like, kills it. Kills it in this movie. Uh, you know, obviously Orlando Bloom being a badass. Like this is when like Orlando Bloom wasn't like Katy Perry's boyfriend. This was like when he was, <laughs> he was Legolas and we were all like, I want to be Legolas. I want right. to use a shield to skateboard down basically stairs at Helm's Deep and, you and know, shoot arrows in the orcs. Like, that's true, that Ryan, but I will say I wouldn't mind being Katy Perry's boyfriend. <laughs> that's fair. I wouldn't mind that either. But also, too, like the skills to climb an elephant and kill yeah. everybody on that. Oh, that was killer, um, man. And, and that's that still only counts as one. It's one of the like, the, it's just a classic. Now, I'll come, I'll come clean with you. Um, my patrons know this and a few a handful of other folks that are close to me know this, but I didn't see these movies until last year. What? Yeah, I did a for my Patreon. I did a my first time series with my buddy Caleb, who is a super fan of Lord of the Rings, and he introduced okay. me to all three movies. And you lo- and you and loved them all. I loved them. I really did. You know, the first yeah, one's the weakest, but they're it's all still, it's great. still good. Yeah, they're all great. Did you watch it regular edition or did you watch extended? Regular, because okay. it was it was on like HBO Max at the time. I think you can it, might, ex- it might still be. I don't know. Extended, you can watch extended on HBO Max now. Yeah, it was this was like a year ago, but yeah, I think I think I think all the Patreon listeners out there yeah. should make Gerald watch the extended editions. Which <laughs> if, K- if Caleb ex- hears this, he's probably knocking on my door right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say like I I didn't include any extended editions or like director's cuts or anything on the list, right? Same because I wanted to keep in true to form, right? But I do think pound for pound, like this these extended editions add so much richness to the story and still additional text and context that I think is, is fantastic. And it's one of those like up there with like, you know, Blade Runner mm-hmm. where like, you're like, okay, now that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like why, like it's not wasted for so. sure. For sure. All right. So we matched up there on a number threes, Ryan. So Lord of the ring, Lord of the rings, the return of the King, <laughs> Lord of the ring. That's just one. Well, it technically There's, is one it ring, is but just it's, one ring, but I'm yeah. not trying to change the whole thing, you know? <laughs> Uh, from 2003 was our number three. So I guess we'll go back to you for your runner up. What do you got at number two, buddy? My number two is another best picture epic, and that is Lawrence of Arabia. Ooh, I haven't seen this. God, probably. When did this come out? Do you have the year on it? I well, it came out in 1962. Well, I didn't see I it know. then because yeah, I was born I was in like... 75. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I probably haven't seen this since like the 80s. It's been a yeah. long time. Three hours and 38 minutes has an intermission and everything. Wow. It is this epic story about T.E. Lawrence, the uh, English officer who successfully tried to unite the, you know, the Middle East and, and fight the Turks during uh, World War One. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I hadn't seen this film 
you know, ever until we did a movie series a couple of years ago during the pandemic about the great director, uh, David Lean, who I think is uh, considered by some to be an underrated director. I think he is too. I mean, he's directed two best picture winners in Bridge on the oh. River Kwai and Lords oh, okay. of Arabia. And wow. then he, and then his third film in that sort of era was Dr. Zhivago and Lawrence of Arabia is his just epic. And it is just gorgeous. I mean, one of the best looking films of all time. And also just a an interesting film about the consequences and the morality of humanity within war. Yeah. And the legacy of a hero. And how you take that success and how it is embraced. And what you think that power that you get from celebrity becomes. And it's all done within this fantastic performance from Peter O'Toole. One of his like first ever performances on screen, which is insane, isn't it? Like one of your first performances of your career is, oh yeah, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> right. It's it is like right. a it is like the ultimate like move the chips into the middle of the, of the, of the yeah, field. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's it's got just everything you want. It's got action. It's got the suspense of it all. It's got camaraderie. It's got uh, politics and political intrigue out the yin yang, but I can't overstate just how impressive the scope of David Lean's direction is with that cinematography. You can get this now on 4K, and I highly recommend it. All right. It has just some of like the most beautiful shots you ever seen. So, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia had to put it on the list. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's one that I need to revisit. I mean, I wasn't kidding. I haven't seen that. I don't even know what year it is now. What is that, like 40? I probably haven't seen that like 30 years. Oh man, you got to. I know yeah. it's 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 actually kind of taking like almost four hours of your day. Wow, um, really. But I mean, just from beginning to end, you kind of don't want it to end. And it's part of like that magical era of yeah. of, the, of Hollywood in the in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, where they they were okay. Audiences were okay, Gerald. Yeah, with movies being three hours long, they had intermissions. These were events. They didn't it was probably an event. They, yeah, exactly. they didn't make as many movies as they as they do now. You know what I mean? They weren't right. making too many. You know. Uh, right. ambulances and and you know mo- you know all the all these bad movies that come out you know within the year mm-hmm. they were saving the cream of the crop and yeah there were some bad films but the big things that came they landed and they landed with a punch and well, this is one of those that's great man i gotta revisit that one for sure all right great pick man lawrence of arabia is your number two my number two i'm assuming is vastly different than that but let's fucking go dude it's the wolf of wall street Mark oh. Scorsese. Uh, oh, my guy. 2013, it's exactly three hours, according to IMDb. <laughs> so it fit the brief. Thank God it wasn't one minute shorter, so I could put it on this list. Uh, I'm in love with this film. It's a five-star film for me. I don't think it's... I think Goodfellas is Scorsese's best, but this is a close second, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. And and what DiCaprio does in this movie, bro, is like... <laughs> I mean, it's on an entirely different plane. Um, he just really just embodies that role and just takes on this, you know, you feel for him at times, you hate him at times. Uh, he's funny. He's tragic. He just really carries the, this is a heavy movie. It's like, it's, when I say heavy, I mean like the weight of the movie mm-hmm. is very heavy, the, the subject matter, and he carries it flawlessly, in my opinion. It's also one of his best performances of his career. I definitely think it's better than his performance in The Revenant, but that's between me and you. That's fair. But yeah, I freaking love this movie, man, for so many reasons. We get to see Jonah Hill take the dramatic turn in this film. I mean, we'd seen a little bit of it before. We're kind of introduced to Margot Robbie, really, mm-hmm. for the, you know, kind of initially. Uh, so many great things and, and imagery from this movie and just like 
this like 80s coke fueled just mayhem of dealing with Wall Street at that time and the actors that were there just really brought it to life and I'm in love with this movie so this is one of the few movies in my top five that I could rewatch regardless of the runtime pretty much any time if it's I mean, on HBO or somebody yeah. says I want to watch it I'm like I'm never going to be like oh I don't have time for that I'm going to say yeah let's let's fucking put it on it's Wolf of Wall Street let's go <laughs> What do you think, man? Are you a fan of this one? Oh, it's one of my top 10 films of the decade, mm. last decade. I think that it is, um, it's a wild but mean little movie. Yeah. And I think I think it is, you know, a lot of the criticisms at the time when it came out was like, oh, they're glorifying this. And I'm like, you got to be an idiot to think that they're glorifying this. Like, right. like, like, like Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio are saying, like, this is good. Like, this is a morality tale. And, like, through all that, like, it's it's like saying by the end of Goodfellas, like, it was okay. Like, let's go be in the mob. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. it's stu- like, like it's dumb. And and, and it's, a, and, and it's weak arguments. But, no, I think it's fantastic. And I think that it is this, this massive cautionary tale of, of, you know, that time and, and still of now of, you know, greed and uh, drugs and, and uh, you know, checks and balance is not being checked and balanced and mm-hmm. i think leo's fantastic it's one of his best performances of his career it's uh, a great introduction for margot robbie jonah hill freaking steals the show along with an insanely great you know five ten minutes of matthew mcconaughey <laughs> yeah you got, like john sure. barenthal's in there a little bit too um you know there, there's just so many things but i think the ultimate thing Jordan, you and i can agree on this is how insane it is that Martin Scorsese made a movie like this at his age. I know, man. The yeah. guy is the goat. It's not it's, even a question, it's man. It's unbelievable, man. It's I mean, insane, it, dude. It, he he is easily on the Mount Rushmore of filmmakers. Oh, in my it's opinion. not even close. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and you're right. I mean, in the in the stage he was at in his career to make this. I mean, this isn't, you know, Raging Bull days. This is like, what is this, like eight years ago, right? Yeah. So this is like kind of like <laughs> after he did like Hugo and right. Shutter Island right. and stuff like that. So he hadn't like made a big hit. Like, and this was a huge hit for him. Yeah. And then he, and, and then he has like silence after it. We're just like, oh, yeah, you got like a blank check to do that and you know and now he's making movies only for streamers because that's that's the only place that will give money to the greatest filmmaker yeah. alive which is mm. insane but it's crazy you know, yeah but it just also shows the power of leo and him too and and how they you know yeah i think leo became a bit of a muse for him honestly i mean oh, he still is he's gonna be departed in, and i mean you know it's aviator you, know, you can tell an aviator yeah you can tell to like and I'm not saying that I'm even like 0.0001% surprised by this, but like an actor gets a opportunity to lead in a Scorsese film. You can tell, <laughs> you can tell Leo is like, okay, it's time to fucking turn it on a little bit. You know yeah. I mean? Cause every time he's in one of those movies, like even in the, in the departed, I'm like, dude, I haven't seen him ever act like this is fucking phenomenal. You know what I mean? Like, like I think, I think he had blood yeah. diamond that same year and, yeah, and he gets nominated for Blood Diamonds. Everybody's yeah. like, are you crazy? You should have like, got nominated what? for The Departed. Well, it's also like, too, like a movie like Shutter Island right. is like, a, you know, like Cape Fear. Like, those are like, you know, oh, okay, like they're horror films, whatever, you know, thrillers, whatever. But like, Leo adds 
mm-hmm. something more to it. And it's also like he works with Scorsese so much. He, he doesn't want to give it up to anybody else. Right. You know, it's kind of like, it's right. kind of like De Niro. Like, nope, that's my guy. Now y'all, y'all can all right. you know, fuck off. Go to somebody definitely. else. You know definitely, I mean? <laughs> definitely Joe Pesci too. You know, like, Oh not, yeah. And now that now literally not even of the flower moon together. That's right. That's yeah. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. That'll be Netflix, right? That'll be Apple plus. Oh, Apple plus. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. All right, cool. Uh, well, there you go. Wolf of Wall Street is my runner-up, my number two. And we are up to our number ones, Ryan. What do you got at number one for your three-hour-plus films? All right, Gerald. You know, uh, there's a genre that uh, a lot of people hate, and that is uh, the biopic, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's when done bad, it, it's bad. Yeah. When done good, it, it's still like, oh, okay, well, yeah. But when done great, mm-hmm. they are masterpieces. Yeah, sure. And that's what I think of Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Oh, yeah, good one. Spike Lee's Malcolm X is, and I say this with all the love in the world, to one of the films that really made me fall in love with cinema and do the right thing. I think Malcolm X is Spike Lee's best film okay. of his entire career. It is the closest thing the man has ever come to an epic. And the story behind it is absolutely insane. The fact that the studio didn't want him to make this film. They wanted Norman Jewison to do it. They were going to cut this film left and right because they were saying it was too long because it's three hours and 22 minutes. And like Denzel had to fight in order for him to become the director. And then at a certain point, the studio pulled the money away from him as he was making it. So he had to go to like Oprah and Michael Jordan and all these prominent um, black celebrities and say, I need to not borrow this money. I need you to give me this money. You're not going to get it as a return on investment. You are going to, you're going to basically like donate it. And (laughs) they did. And they did. And he finished the film and it's quite possibly one of the most important films of not just the nineties, but of all time in terms of telling a full story of a person that through history has been plagued as like, you're either, you know, Dr. King or you're Malcolm X. And Malcolm X has always been labeled as like the sort of the bad version of what you want to be as a, as a protester or as somebody, you know, within the time of, of, of figures within this era. And this shows a lot of the struggle that he had to go through a lot of his, you know, his, you know, when he was in prison early on and then becoming Malcolm X and his relationship with his wife played by Angela Bassett, who's fantastic. And then, you know, him coming in and out of the the nation of Islam and, and then also leading up to his assassination. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, a tragedy. It's an, as a tragedy and epic of a film as Shakespeare could even write. Right. And Spike Lee does it with such a, just a, just a steady hand and also gets the performance of a lifetime from Denzel Washington. Dude, what a powerhouse. Am I right? I mean, oh my God. My God. If yeah. you guys out there want to see acting, watch yep. Denzel Washington in this. He gives a full life in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Had well, you to, could, had you to could give really. Max. Oh, for sure, man. I, I don't refute it at all. I, watch Denzel in anything. <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> Unstoppable. That's dude. true. But this is, he's putting his heart and soul and also too it this is like early still early-ish in their careers yeah still, and you know this this takes him to another level this makes him he already won an oscar and everything but for this made him a leading man this made him denzel washington yeah, no doubt for so many people and it also was just like yeah that spike lee guy he's he's pretty good he's yeah. pretty good no doubt no doubt malcolm x your number one 
Uh, Ryan, great pick, man. Now look, we've been lovey dovey, right? Well, here oh, we God, go. Here we go. Here we go. I don't. I, honestly, I don't really know what you think of this movie, but knowing you, I'm going to assume you're going to come at me. <laughs> My number one is James Cameron's oh, Titanic from 1997, brother. Um, my heart will go on for you, Ryan McQuaid, and everyone listening. <laughs> this is an epic masterpiece. I'm just going to oh. tell you right now, this is a masterpiece of cinema. I just broke my heart. I oh. mean, you know, look, man, I'll let you float on the door while I talk about this. Right? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll let you retort, obviously. But the reason I love this movie so much is it's remained one of my favorite films of all time since I saw it in the theater back in 97 with my sister, who was fucking bawling the entire time. Uh, which was a great memory for me, too. And I always bring that up when I'm watching movies with her because she's pretty emotional. But two Leo films for me, by the way, back to back in my top two. But this movie, what James Cameron did, just the attention to detail and the the way that he was devoted to making this a historically accurate film with this kind of like fictitious romance going on within it. Um, is a trope that's used now, and we see it and we go, okay. But like James Cameron was onto something in 97, and it was a bit of a new thing back then where you had this fictitious story placed in this real life scenario. And I've already told you I was a U.S. history buff. So just the story of the Titanic when it sank in 1912, like, has always just been a really fascinating thing for me to think about. And I'm not trying to convert you, Ryan, but what I want you to think about, and are you guys going to cover this one, by the way, on your series? We, we have, and an, uh, yeah. It, you are? Yeah, yeah we're going to, co- we're covering it. Okay. So what I want you to like think about and people that possibly don't like this movie, like, and I mentioned this on an episode before, I can't remember what the top five was, but we, I think it was period piece films or period piece dramas, and I brought it up on that episode. But, you know, what James Cameron did, in my opinion, is he recreated for us, for the audience, and for the general public, what it must have been like in 1912 when that ship sank? And I'm specifically mm. talking about the last hour of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, he really... In other words, like today, you have social media, you have cameras on everybody's phone, you have, you know, there's so many different ways to capture footage of different things happening. In 1912, there was none of that shit. There was like, you know, the the starting of photography. I mean, it was like, there was no way to capture the sinking of a ship in the middle of the ocean. So, you know, what would it be like to be transported to 1912 and see this historical anomaly unfolding before your eyes? And for me, that was a masterful thing that he did, and it made me feel like I was a part of this event in history, and it really touched me. Like I, I, you know, so much today that my son is what they. I guess there's a term called titaniac. Have you heard this? It's like so, it's like somebody. I'm the that's, last person that has probably heard of that. It's like somebody that's obsessed with just the history of the Titanic and the survivors okay. and right. people, you know, right. and the legacy of it. And he's like watching documentary because I showed him this movie last year and he's eight so i mean you know he's in he's starting to get into history and he's like watching documentaries about titanic and like all this stuff so uh i was joking with him that he's one of the titaniacs but um (laughs) i I don't know the story is just the story of the titanic and what happened in 1912 i feel like is is a timeless story that will that could captivate people a hundred years from now you know and it's obvious it obviously captivated people in 97 i mean at the time it was the number one most Oscar nominated film at the time and had never received that many nominations for one movie. And like, this is, is James Cameron's like opus epic. And I know you're not a huge fan of it. I know there's some detractors of this film, but it's just always going to hold a special place in my heart. I love it. So that's my number one movie, man. It's uh, what's the runtime on this? It's, 
194 long. minutes. 194. Yeah, it's long. It's there you long. go. Yeah. You what do you think, even, man? Go ahead. I don't even need to say anything. It's just long. Go ahead. It's really goddamn long. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I will say this about it, is that uh, its technical achievements are just massively impressive. There's no, there's, there's nothing you can say about James Cameron as a, as a, as a scope, you know, storyteller. He has scope and vision that sometimes need to be corralled in. And sometimes it's like, let him, let him loose, let him loose. You know what I mean? And I think this was the case. It's like, he's like, no, I'm James freaking Cameron. I just did Terminator two judgment day. I get to do whatever the hell I want. Right. Right. And I get to do this. And while I think, you know, I make the joke all the time of like, you know, there's that thing on Seinfeld where mm-hmm. Elaine's with the English patient. She goes, just die already. <laughs> and with this movie, I go, just sink already. Like sure. the boat. Like sure, just sink yeah. already. Like we get to the, we get what this movie is supposed to be about. Like move on. I get that it's, you know, this technical achievement and everything. The problem with it to me is the stupid ass love story and the hokey dialogue. Nah, dog. And, and, nah, in 97, I'm, can, I'm fucking, my heart's beating, brother. I'm I know, like, but it's 2022. Man, and, and, and for like, for now, I'm just like, okay, look, somebody man. needs to die and the wrong person die. Like, seriously, Kate Winslet doesn't, you know, she's so bad in that movie. And we're, is, we're introduced to Kate, man. She's, and, she's a I know, queen. And she's like, a goddess. Like, Listen, I love Kate Winslet and so many other things. And this, I'm like, no, thank you but Billy Zane, I get Leo. by the way Billy Zane oh Billy Zane's bad don't even um but uh Leo's great Kathy Bates is pretty good like there's also the meta stuff in there too with like Bill Paxton kind of playing like James Cameron in, in a way yeah right that's really just like okay like way to just stroke your own ego yeah uh but like I don't know it's a movie that I think script just sinks it yeah i see what you did there yeah you know what i did there and i and i i i'm in the middle on it i get it like i get why people love it yeah i mean because people you know people and i'm not saying this as like a a derogatory thing or rude or anything but you know certain tropes hit certain people and you know certain things hit people in a different way than others and it's about emotion and how they how it hits them and it's a very much a nostalgic piece too mm-hmm. i do appreciate the fact that like james cameron is a madman and like does the guy's like refusing to stop thinking about the titanic and water yeah. and all this other shit and it's just yeah, like dude he, like he he move fucking, on with your life he fucking uh, like in the production design like recreated the doilies that they put the coffee cups on i mean yeah, it's like, I mean, like there's a scene where like the China, I've been told this many times because I just think it's like, I, for me, I sit in there and go like, what a fucking waste. But like also too, like, this is exactly what James Cameron would do. Like he had to get the China so perfectly right and like it look exactly like it was on the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. And they only had one freaking shot to do it because like, you know, this whole thing is just like, break, right? like, yeah, one shot and you're done. Right. Because they don't have the budget to do, you know, to do multiple things for stuff like that. And it's just like the attention to detail is both impressive and like psychotic mm-hmm. at the same time. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. So you sure. so you kind of have to admire it, but it does fall, I believe, Gerald, under the thing of like what I talked about with some other directors, where like they get to cook and they get a full carte blanche to do whatever the hell they want, and they've earned it. Every director deserves, whether it's you know Spike Lee who had to struggle or James Cameron who probably didn't struggle at all that much, like to make this movie. They yeah. all get the right to make an epic. 
And I, and I think that goes for nowadays, you know, that's not a fucking Marvel movie. You know what I right, mean? Like right. let them make, everybody should have an epic on their resume. So then we can see the vast extent of what director's vision and scope could be. So then we know how far they can reach and stretch their imaginations and their attention to detail and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I get the pick. I'm not mad at you. I just, right. I'm just disappointed. Oh, man. <laughs> Freaking love that movie. I was going to see where it ranked in IMDb's 250. It's got to be up there, right? Which one? Titanic. It's got to be up no, there. No, it's got to be. Yeah. Th- you know, there's people like you that like stuff like that. So it's got to be. <laughs> hey, Jay Ledbetter likes it, I bet. That's that's beside the point. You know, he, you know, you know just because uh, Jay likes something doesn't mean, you know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, hey, this is all the more reason for them to tune in over there when you guys do Titanic on extra film. So exactly. Make note of that. All right, uh, Ryan, let's take a break, man. When we come back from this quick promo break. We will remind everybody what our five films were, and then we will give some honorable mentions and we'll also shout out the fans online. So sit tight, everybody. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan McQuaid is here from Awards Watch and In Session Film and the world, because I love this guy. <laughs> Ryan, thanks for being here, buddy. And we just had a great discussion on our three-hour-plus movies. Mm-hmm. We only had one crossover, man, which I guess... Uh, eh, I don't know. I was surprised. I thought we it would have a, a couple. Surprising. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what the honorable mentions do. But why don't you just remind everyone real quick, Ryan, what were your five films again that you listed? Yeah, my number five was Magnolia. Four was Barry Lyndon. My number three was The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. My number two was Lawrence of Arabia. My number one was Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Great list, man. My number five was the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez Grindhouse. My number four was JFK. Number three was also The Return of the King. Number two was The Wolf of Wall Street. And my number one was Titanic, which Ryan praised prior to the break, if you didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, no, I, I did not. Don't <laughs> put lies in my mouth. All right, man. So uh, we're going to shout out the fans online here in just a minute. Uh, first, though, I have five honorable mentions. What about you, buddy? What, do you, what else did you want to add in there? Oh, man. I had uh, some, some honorable mentions. So uh, I think Reds from uh, Warren Beatty. Have you ever seen that film? Reds? Is Warren that an 80s Keaton. film? Yeah, it's, it's like this big uh, epic war film, you know, a like communist war film. It's like oh, Warren yeah, Beatty, yeah, yeah, Diane yeah, yeah. Keaton, yes, Jack Nicholson. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been a minute, but yes, I have. I know what you're Long movie, about. but great, great direction. The Godfather Part Two. Yep. obviously. You got to put that. It's, you know, one of the GOAT sequels. For right? sure. Uh, what else did I have here? I had the right stuff. Have you ever seen the right stuff? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, it, the right the, right stuff's great. It's maybe like, it's uh with uh it's about like test pilots 
as they're about to go to space. And it's got Sam Shepard, Ed Harris, Scott Glenn. Oh, actually, I don't big, think I have seen that. It's a big inspiration to like uh, Christopher Nolan for like uh, Interstellar and stuff like that. Okay. It's better than Interstellar, though. I know that people don't like Interstellar, but I like it. Mm. Um, then uh, Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to put Schindler's List up there. It's It's, you know... I don't need to say anything and about that because it's Schindler's List. Everybody's seen Schindler's List. It's great. Sure, man. Uh, and uh, lastly, mm-hmm. lastly, a little bit of an obscure pick. Not necessarily one that I would, um, I particularly love, mm-hmm. but it is one that I think would lead to a very interesting experience for everybody out there. And that's David Lynch's Inland Empire. Mm, okay. That is a trippy, weird-ass movie from the master himself. And I just think that everybody should watch it. And uh, I know it's got like a 4K restoration coming up soon and everything. But uh, Laura Dern gives a particularly uh, out-there performance. Uh, so much so that David Lynch himself, Oscar campaigned out with a sign uh, on top of like a cow out there on like <laughs> uh, on like Hollywood Boulevard or something. It was like some of like the best campaigning you've ever seen in your life for that man wow. and i love david lynch so i would go out there and and catch inland empire that's like a sneaky number 10 pick wow okay that is sneaky and i love lynch so i need to check that out i don't think i've seen that one so i'll yeah. check it out all right it's cool w- it's weird uh <laughs> of course it is it's david lynch yeah, exactly um let me list my six through ten real quick you named a couple of them uh, number six was the godfather part two yeah uh possibly the greatest sequel of all time and a, a little confession i didn't put this in my five because i thought you were going to yeah i didn't put it in mine yeah i thought yeah. you were gonna do so yeah. and then i also was just like i love it i love the godfather part two don't get me wrong yeah for sure but it's... i am a godfather part one guy more yeah, really? Yeah, uh, I probably prefer bit, to. A little, little uh, bit. But uh, I love them both. They're they're in five-star classics. Yeah, as a, as a, as a double feature, it's unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. number seven, I don't know how you feel about this one because it hasn't come up tonight, but it's The Green Mile. Oh, I like The Green Mile. I mean, it's yeah. no Shawshank, obviously, but it's no. it's it's still pretty damn good. Yeah, it's, it's a good, good movie. Yeah. Good flick. Uh, then I've got uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, that's, that's probably nowhere, nowhere near my list. Probably the last time that I was not kind of pissed off at a superhero film uh, in the theater. Was... Were you pissed off at the Batman this year? No, the Batman was good. I mean, MCU, I'm sorry. Oh, the MCU, M- okay. MCU film. Yeah. Yeah. Don't lump them all together. That's dangerous. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I've just come, I've, I'm a victim of the MCU kind of fatigue. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of uh, over it. Hey, I think that that's fair. When something has 29 installments, I think you <laughs> right, can right. get a little bit fatigued by it. Uh, let's see. You mentioned Schindler's List already. Would have been my number nine. And mm-hmm. uh, really just because of the lack of rewatchability on that one. <laughs> it's a little intense, <laughs> yeah, but so, uh, yeah. it's I've only ma- seen it once. It's a masterpiece, though. Yeah. And then uh, we were just talking about superheroes and non-MCU would be Zack Snyder's Justice League from last year. The the cut that came out for HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah. See, like uh, one, I wouldn't include that. Um, well, that's why I put it in my honorables, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah and, and you rightfully so. But also, too, like that's kind of like an alternative version slash extended edition or something like that, too. So I didn't know. What, right. you, I don't know what the hell to do with that. Yeah, I don't either. What is that? Yeah. What, what is, is that? Movie? Is that a movie? Like, that movie is just like, it's such its own thing. Yeah. It's so weird. Though, I, I, will I figured say, I would throw him honorables just to give him a little shout yeah. out because I've been a notorious kind of like Zack Snyder hater over the years. Uh, but I really did like what he what we got to see finally with that with that vision. Yeah, no, I, I it's I think it's such a fascinating, interesting subject. And yeah. we'll be dissected for years, probably get like documentaries and all this other stuff behind it, too. So. 
All right, Ryan. Well, the way we end every episode is we head over to the Facebook fan page and we see what the fans mm-hmm. had to say over there. Uh, Ryan, I think you're in the page, but I don't know how many of these you saw. I know, I, yeah, I, guys, I didn't see. I went in blind on this one. All right, cool. So, guys, check the show notes and please join up over the Facebook fan community. That is where I interact with our fans the most. So I just said, what are your favorite movies that are at least three hours long? And here's some of the responses that we got, Ryan. Uh, Chris Yandy says all of them. I guess he just loves the long <laughs> movies. But then he said Lawrence of Arabia. There you go. There you go. Uh, the Ten Commandments. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Apocalypse Now, which I'm honestly surprised didn't come up at some point. Yeah. I think like, isn't like the original cut of Apocalypse Now, like it's under, but then like if you oh, do the ducks, then it's like over. So it was kind of one of those things, I think maybe. I could be wrong about that. Sorry. Yeah. Freaking all time classic, though. It's great, though. My buddy Nick from Livestream for the Cure said, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. There you go. He also says, he says Watchmen, but the director's cut. So he's doing that thing yeah, where he's, he's doing the director's cut, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, like some people, fine. some people use the extended cuts to disregard the original cut too. And they just kind of throw that away and yeah. length can help. But he also says Schindler's List, Titanic and Return of the King. So there you go. Yeah. There you uh, go. A few got, that we, yeah. A few that we mentioned. Dan, my buddy Dan says, remove Titanic and you have a great list. I thought you you might like that. (laughs) That's good. I like Dan. Good job, Dan. Oh, man. (laughs) Lauren, friend of the show and friend of mine in real life, says uh, she literally had to look up a list of movies that were more than three hours. That's fair. That's fair. Um, We did that, too. But the film that because the film that immediately popped in her head was only two and a half hours. Which one? I don't know. She She didn't say, hold on, wait to see if she actually gives me a suggestion here. Gerald, tell me if you did this too. Like you were thinking about like a lot of movies and I kept having to go back to IMDb. I'm like, oh no, what? That like because I thought okay like Jesse James like the assassination oh of yeah Jesse James, no like, yeah for me too before. yeah I was like oh that's got to be there no it's two hours and forty oh Zodiac's got to be there oh like it's two hours and thirty five minutes and you're like, yeah you no same here. Then yeah, there were a couple I, where it's like 259. You're like, shit. Yeah, I had, I had two towers on my list forever. And I was like, oh, shit, that's not over three hours. Ryan's, <laughs> Ryan's going to call me out. Anyway, uh, poor Lauren doesn't have a suggestion. She says uh, she wants to give a contribution, but she doesn't know what her favorite three-hour movie is. So maybe maybe we gave her some stuff to uh, watch there. Mm-hmm. Jared, so. Jared, patron in front of the show, says The Ten Commandments, Braveheart, and Green Mile. Uh, and Nick said Braveheart's only two hours and 50. <laughs> <laughs> so leave it to Nick to come that's, in running. I like I like the fact that like, the fact check, you know, <laughs> they're fact checking them as during the recommendations too. like, yeah, just sure. Beating them to the punch. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Hurley <laughs> says Apocalypse Now, uh, Avengers Endgame and the Seven Samurai. Yeah. Seven Samurai. Why the hell didn't I mention that? That is an all time classic. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Never mind. Don't watch Inland Empire. Watch Seven Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete from Podstalgic and Cobra Kai kind of cheated a little bit. He says Titanic and The Godfather Part Two, but then he says the Back to the Future saga. God, I mean, that's three movies, right? That's, I don't think you can do yeah, that. They didn't. No, come on, come on. Now. That's called a marathon. <laughs> I do not love, a three I do hour love movie. Pete though, because I kind of want to count it, but yeah, I can't do that. Uh, Michael Hill, friend of mine, says The Godfather Part Two, Avengers Endgame, Return of the King, Schindler's List, and Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, wow. I've, yeah, Fiddler's, man, Fiddler's long. How about uh, Brad from The Cinema Guy says Kingdom of Heaven, but then he's got director's cut in the... Yep. Yeah, uh, that's a three-hour bad boy right there. 
Yeah. He also says Malcolm X and all of the Snyder cuts. I don't know about that. Not all, all of them. But. All the snow. But hey, nice shout out with Malcolm X there. there yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's see if I got anything else here. Uh, Marshall says Malcolm X, JFK, the Green Mile, and Schindler's List. Josh Ragland, patron or friend of the show, says the Green Mile, Schindler's List, and Hateful Eight. Uh, the, which probably I, the roadshow edition of the roadshow. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Hey, that's how they released it in theater. So technically, if you wanted to count that, you could. So here we go. Drew from The Real Phil says Dances with Wolves. We haven't mentioned that yet. Is that three hours? I think so, yeah. I'm that looking was it up. Oscar winner, right? Look it up real quick because I got a couple other shout outs for that one too. Okay. All right. I'm looking it up. Hang on, listeners. Don't I can let me let out. you down. It's three hours and one minute. There it you counts. go. There, there you go. go. There, there you go. There you go. Kevin Costner himself, the cause. He also says Seven Samurai, Titanic, and In Search of Darkness, which is a horror uh, documentary. I didn't do any documentaries, by the way. No, I mean, like... I decided on. not to, but he's right. Those are freaking awesome. They're yeah. based on 1980s horror. Uh, David Powell, patron in front of the show, says Godfather Part 2. Yep. Das Boot. Hmm, oh, okay. Das Boot is... Let's go on. Yeah. Uh, Spartacus, Judgment mm-hmm. at Nuremberg, Lawrence of Arabia, Once Upon a Time in America, yeah. Schindler's List, Lord of the Rings, Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh, we didn't mention that one. That one yeah, is long. And and we'll just... Keep on going. That yeah, I do like is. that movie. No, I like that movie. I like it, but I mean, <laughs> it's not in your top five. In uh, <laughs> game dances with wolves and the whole bloody affair, which we decided not to include. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Daniel from the movie journey says the Godfather part two, mm. the deer hunter. How about yeah, that? Yeah, the deer hunter. We didn't. Yeah, I, you know what? Confession time. Yeah, I've never seen the deer hunter. Oh wow, really? That's one. That's one of my embarrassing blind spots. It's your blind but it's spot. also like, when are you going to ever put on the deer hunter? Yeah, it's not something like, you're you know like what I'm, I finished. To. You know what I finished watching Paddington too. I'm gonna watch the Deer Hunter now. <laughs> it's a nice follow up. <laughs> That's a hell of a double feature. Kids go yeah. to bed. <laughs> Paddington's over. No, what? You know? No, 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 no. The kids, kids stay up. Stay <laughs> we got up. some life lessons on to the learn couch. here. <laughs> you wanna? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Amanda, a dear, dear friend of mine, says uh, a lot of her favorites have been mentioned. So she'll just say Magnolia. There you go. There you go. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Deer Hunter. Joey Austin said Pulp Fiction would have been his number one, but it was 12 minutes too short. So he's yeah. just going to say Avengers Endgame. There you go. It's not there bad. It's not a bad runner up. Uh, Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show, says, along with the usuals that have been mentioned. Oh, you'll like this. He says Reds. Reds is. Yeah. There you go. And he says. You gotta watch Reds. Reds hey, is good. Hey, he also says the right stuff. He's going to really hey. like your list. Yeah. And, he, and he says Shoah, which makes Schindler's list look like Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoah's. Uh, yeah. In the Criterion Collection, have you ever seen it? It's it's, wow. it's long and it's rough. Yeah. The last one I'll mention, because my mother just joined the Facebook fan group. Hey. Uh, she's known I've had a podcast for like five years, and she's finally in here. <laughs> but her her suggestion was Dances with Wolves, which is a great okay. great All choice, right. Mom. So thank you so much Good for job, that. Mom. It almost made my list. It would probably be my 11 and 12, honestly. You told them a little bit about your show at the top. Thanks so much for being here, man. You, you're the man. You know I'm a big fan of yours, and I love when we get, get together and chat movies, man. It's always a blast. I love you, brother. This is yeah. this has been great. We got to do this more often. We got yeah. We got a one day we're going to meet and it's going to be a lot of lot It's going to be intense. It's going to be yeah, intense. Be, uh, I don't think the universe is ready for that. And if Jay yeah. Ledbetter's there, then it's going to be like Oh my oh, god. Oh, it's going to be an orgy of some kind. I don't know. It'll be scary. It'll be something. <laughs> it'll be something where you'll be like, "Hey kids, come back in the room." <laughs> yeah, we you can't know? we can't come back from this. Put on Deer Hunter. <laughs> Let's come back down from this cloud. <laughs> Uh, all right, Ryan, tell them where they can find you and all the folks over there at Awards Watch and everything, buddy. 
Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterbox at Ryan McQuaid 77. You can find me over at Awards Watch where I'm doing a ton of reviews and interviews, like I said. But you can also listen to the Awards Watch podcast every week. Uh, we have at least one episode where we talk about everything in the awards landscape and have some games and stuff like that. That's a lot of fun. You can also find me over at uh, In Session Film where I do the Extra Film podcast where we do a movie series, usually with the top. Uh, and then in the back half of the episodes, we'll do like a latest indie review. That's along with myself and the, the aforementioned Jay Ledbetter, uh, at least for a little while. And then Jay's going to take a little sabbatical. I'll have some guests come on and then Jay will come back by the end of the year. And, uh, but yeah, man, those are where you can find me. And, uh, thank you so much, Cheryl, for having me on. This has been an absolute blast. No problem, brother. And just let me know when you need me to fill in for Jay over there too. Cause we have a uh, oh, very, that's, uh, like-minded sensibility. That's chaos so waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. I, I will, I will for sure think about you, man. And we'll have to get you on sometime soon. Yeah. Let me know, brother. And, uh, as always guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Ryan, thanks so much for being here and we will be back next week with another top five. I'll see you guys then thank you so much love can touch us one time and last for a lifetime and never let go till we're gone love was when I loved you one true time I'd hold 